All right, let's take our Bibles and we'll start in Exodus chapter 3. Appreciate all the kind words. Now I have a lot to live up to. He said, Brother Hayes will be a blessing. Hint, hint. And uh, so I, I better, I was looking on my phone trying to get a good message online there. Don't want to let you down. And uh, good, to, good to be here uh, in New York. I know things have been uh, different in Maryland. It's been a little bit different uh, in a lot of ways. But we do appreciate your uh, support. Uh, we appreciate the uh, extra uh, love gifts and offerings and different things. But really, uh, your prayers and uh, sticking with us. Uh, it's interesting when you, when you go to start a church or restart, there's a lot of pressure sometimes from the brethren, and uh, they want to know how many people are being saved and what's going on. And we, I had a preacher tell me, he said, we want to hear about people getting saved and this and that. I want to write about people getting saved and this and that. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's times that are a little more difficult than others. And uh, we can thankfully say that right now, uh, we've definitely had a handful of people to work with. And uh, that is a privilege. And we know that it's God because we're not doing anything different. But God sends people along, gives us people to disciple, people to uh, tell about the gospel and to see saved. And so we're thankful uh, for that as well. Uh, sometimes I have to look back and you say, wow, almost 10 years. Uh, but I was talking to my pastor one day and he said, you need to look back and, and see the progress that has been made. And it's all been made for God's glory. We would not be there if God did not have us there. We're not there to impress anybody uh, or to look good. But, um, you know, in the last 10 years, I'll just share a couple of, the, of these things with you, not because I want to brag on myself, but to, uh, just to remind you, you're investing uh, in that ministry. And uh, we're very grateful for that. Uh, but in the last almost 10 years, uh, by God's help, we were able to pay off the building. Um, so being debt-free, that's positive. Uh, we were, we're, we've been able to help other missionaries. Uh, this past year, we were able to go on our first, uh, we'd call it a mission trip, uh, but it was in the States down to Florida to help a guy starting a church. And that's, that's a great blessing that our church is able to put some money aside uh, to try to be a help, and we believe that we ought to be able to reproduce in the days ahead. Uh, we have seen several, uh, a handful of people saved, and we have to remind ourselves, just like you do, that a lot of those people are in heaven. Um, one, of, one of the bigger ministries I've had recently, it can be quite a depressing ministry, but a good opportunity, uh, and that has been um, the funeral home calls me and asks me to do funerals for people that I don't know. And it's been a lot. There's been two or three in a week, sometimes a couple in the same day. It just it, it hit and miss. Uh, but as a result of that, we've been able to see people saved. It's just you don't get to see them in church, and you don't get to see them serving. So you have to be reminded through the years and for yourself just alike that there are things that are happening, and one day we'll get to heaven, and we'll see a whole lot more than we see physically in these pews. Uh, so we're thankful for that as well. Um, and uh, one of the ladies in our church, she's been a blessing. If you remember, uh, I don't know, about three, four years into the ministry, uh, we were left really, it was our family and two ladies that come to church. And at that point, you're asking, is this really what God wants us to be doing? And we felt that's where God wanted us. But anyway, that lady made a comment just this past week, and uh, she said, wow, we've really come a long way. And all glory to God. But it was encouraging that she would say that. She said, I remember when it was just you, 
and the two of us. And so we have some families we're working with. Thankfully, had a, had a young lady get saved, a couple uh, assurance of salvation. They just, they want to grow. So we're thankful. We praise God uh, for that. I'd like to look at this subject this evening, five promises and five excuses. We have this in Exodus chapter 3, and we'll start with the promises first, beginning in verse 6. Now, in chapter 3, you have Moses and the burning bush. And right after that, in verse 6, Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, and a land flowing with milk and honey. And it mentions the, the different people that are going to be there, the Canaanites, uh, uh, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, uh, uh, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore... And I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open the Word of God. Lord, how wonderful it is that we have a copy of the Word of God. We know you've preserved that. We're thankful for the Word of God. Lord, what a, what a crazy world we live in, and yet this is the absolute truth, the very God that we live by. Thank you for it. God, thank you for the opportunity to preach it, the opportunity to hear it. Thank you for this good church, Lord, this lighthouse in this community. And God, I pray that your word would be a blessing to each and every one. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to us as individuals in the way that only you can. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for each one that's here this evening. In your name, amen. Five promises and five excuses. One thing we have in verse 7 and says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. So just by way of introduction, it's interesting here. This is the first time in your Bible where he calls them my people. It's the first time he really acknowledges them as a nation. And when he acknowledges them as a nation for the first time, he's going to give several promises about that nation, about what he is going to do. Always remember this, God is so much farther ahead than what we are. We can have meetings, and we can plan for the year, and we can have goals, and we can try to, uh, I mean, you can try to figure out what Congress and the Senate's going to do. They don't know what they're going to do. But the fact is, God knows ahead of time what's going to happen. He knows they're going to be taken into Egypt. He knows all the affliction that they're going to go through, and He knows how He's going to bring them out. He's not concerned about that. But they're going to need to come out of Egypt at some point, and they're going to need a leader to do that. Verse 8, remembering, and I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now, uh, we could study really on the type of people these Egyptians were, but they're very, very wicked people. You could go back to Genesis 10 and uh, Genesis 11. You look at the Tower of Babel. You look at some of the people that came out of that. Uh, you look at the wickedness that was going on in Egypt. Uh, these people were of the descendants of Ham uh, from Noah, and they were very wicked people. The Bible tells us that Ham was cursed, and these are the people that would come from Ham. But God is going to remove them. Another interesting thought, and again, just by way of introduction here, but 
God is going to take them in a little while out of Egypt, and he's going to put them in a land that he promised them, but guess what? They're going to be surrounded by other enemies. And sometimes God takes us out of something, but until we get to heaven, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have difficulties along the way. You say, God, please deliver me from this. Maybe it's deliver me from this job. Well, guess what? If it's another job, uh, you're going to have troubles along the way. And if you didn't know this, uh, you may say, well, it's a Christian boss. You're going to have troubles along the way with maybe not him. Maybe we assume it's not him, hopefully, uh, but whether with him or with somebody else, there's just difficulties along the way. Relocating has never solved all of man's problems unless he relocates to heaven. So just a reminder there, not picking on anyone, just reminding us that we, we leave something and here we are, we go around, guess what? We're surrounded by five enemies instead of just one at the time. Looking at these five promises, very simple here. You may want to underline them in your Bible or take notes. Uh, we're just outlining the Word of God. It says in verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. He says, first off, I have seen. Now to some that seems to be a curse that God sees everything that they do. But to others it's a blessing. The Bible tells us the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And the Bible tells us that God sees what these Israelites are going through. It might be one thing that you describe your situation to someone else. Some people describe their situation to their spouse, and at the end they still say, I feel like you still don't understand how difficult the situation is. But God does. God sees the situation that we are in. Secondly, he says, he says, I've seen the affliction, he said, and have heard their cry by reason of their task masters. It's comforting to me that God hears every conversation that goes on. Well, there's a lot of sneaky things that are going on today. I can only picture, and I, I guess we, a lot of my illustrations are about Washington, D.C., uh, but that's not the only place, just because we're close by there, uh, but that's not the only place that things go on behind closed doors. And I'm thankful that God hears every conversation behind closed doors. There's no secret that man can connive and put together that surprises God. That, that's an encouragement to me, knowing that whatever I'm going through, God sees and God hears what I'm going through. And then he says, as he goes on there, and he says in the end of verse 7, For I know their sorrows. God knows. God knows our sorrows. It tells us that Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Not only does he see somebody's sorrows and hear them, but he is a man of sorrows himself. He says in verse 8, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt. So the next promise here is I've come down to deliver them. I know there could be more study. I'm giving you the promises, but then we're going to look at some excuses from Moses. He says, I am come down to deliver them. Who better to deliver you from your problems than God himself? Now, we talk about delivering somebody from problems. Sometimes we get the wrong picture that, God, I'm just praying that you'll take this problem away. And I know many of you have been in church some longer than I have. This ought not be new to us. But God doesn't just remove the problems and make our lives smooth. That is until we get to heaven. God gives you the grace to get through your difficulty. Every day, 
He helps you to get through. I'm come down to deliver them. And he says there in verse 8, to bring them to a land. Of course, the Old Testament was all about the land. That's what their focus really was. It says a good land and a large land. By the way, the land that they were going to go to from Goshen, uh, they were going to go to the land of Israel. It was going to be a better land than what they had. Literally, it was more fertile. Uh, it was a better land for planting and a better land for growing things. It was a large land. It was, it was bigger for them. And thank God for that promise. Remember this, that God's part always comes before man's part. God is expecting Moses to go and lead them, to deliver them, but God's part always comes before man's part. Several illustrations of that in Scripture. Um, in John 3 and verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. When we look at giving somebody the gospel, very simply, Jesus Christ has already died on the cross. He's already given us the promise that if we trust in Him, repent of our sins, we can be saved. He's done the work and He's asking man to do His part. We have in our text, God is giving the promises and He's simply asking Moses to follow those promises. We have multiple times where, where God gives a promise and then, for instance, that man will... Uh, they're supposed to march around the walls of Jericho, but God's already given the promise of deliverance. So we have five promises, and that ought to be good enough for us, right? That, that God's going to deliver you. God's going to, uh, uh, He's going to bring you to a good land. And I know we have to take it in its context. I understand. Uh, with the Jew, it was about the land. For us, it's about eternity and the rewards we receive in heaven. So we're taking it in its context, but either way, God's promises should be plenty for us. And yet sometimes we find ourselves making excuses of why we can't serve God, of why we can't do everything that we should be doing. Praise God for people that, that help in, in church. You know, God has never designed it to be only the pastor. And I know you have people that help out here. People do the, the prayer list and, and you've got several people that can preach and people that can lead singing and people that can help with children. Praise God for that. But Amen. if you're doing the best you can, I don't want you to lose that. If you're not doing the best you can, I want you to look at that and say, where can I serve God? How can I do better? I don't want to make excuses for why I can't serve God. Now, we see some excuses that Moses gives, and I just found it interesting in studying here that there's five promises, but then we find five excuses. Now, there's another message after this I won't preach. We we're going through the book of Exodus, but, but after that, it's interesting how patient God really is with us. Five promises, five excuses, and after that, God still patiently deals with Moses. If it was you or I, would say, you know what, I gave you five promises, I'm done with you. I'll go find somebody else. Sometimes we're so impatient, but God deals with us in a different way. I'm thankful for it. So five excuses, and he says in verse 11, Moses said unto God, who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. He says, who am I? An excuse. Of course, God promises. He says, I'll be with you. He says, verse 12, you can't get more clear in verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. This is the God of heaven. Uh, this is not man promising, but God says, certainly I will be with you. Again, that should have been plenty. But we're going to find other excuses. You know, we don't have to be a somebody 
in order for God to use us? Who does God use? People that obey the Word of God. It's that simple. Somebody who obeys the Word of God, somebody who follows the promises of God, that's really what we're doing. That's why we're here tonight. We believe it's obedience to God to be in church. We believe it's obedience to God to be a witness to other people. We believe it's obedience to God to raise our children, to, uh, uh, to train our children up in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're just simply obeying what God has said. We don't have to be somebody special. We don't have to be highly educated to obey God. You realize anybody can obey God. Now it's interesting that sometimes we think that people that faithfully serve God that they don't ever get in uncomfortable situations. Praise God when we can look out and we can see people that faithfully serve God. That doesn't mean they haven't had a difficult day. When you look at people you say, wow, they've been married 40, 50 years. That doesn't mean every day was wonderful. Okay, I'm just assuming that that's what I've been told. But don't assume because somebody's pastored for many years that it hasn't been difficult, that there haven't been uncomfortable situations. That's just somebody who is taking God at His word. They're just simply following God's promises and not giving up. And let me tell you, you do get into some difficult situations. I know one funeral I had, I had preached the the lady that was there, I was, I was told ahead of time, I was kind of warned ahead of time, you know, this, this could be a difficulty. And this woman, sure enough, she was uncontrollable. I mean, she was sitting on the front row, and it really is sad. Somebody that you're preaching, this is how you get comfort, this is how you have hope. Turn to Jesus Christ, He, he, will, he will be the help when I can't be with you. But there she is sitting on the front row, just disrupting the service, just weeping out loud and saying things and disrupting and, and even afterwards. And it was kind of my thing to, to try to deal with. I didn't know what I was doing, but I wasn't going to stop faithfully serving God because I got in an uncomfortable situation. Uncomfortable situations. I had one just recently. I, I had a man come and visit church and he told me, I just want to let you know. He said, my wife is a pastor. Oh, that's nice. I said, well, good. That, that's nice. And he said, oh, she's a really good speaker. I said, oh, that's, that's real good. Uh, that's wonderful. I'm sure she teaches you a lot. And uh, so we were talking. I was trying to be kind to him. And he's really, he's really trying to schedule her in and uh, just wouldn't let the thing go. But, boy, we get into uncomfortable situations. But we're not going to quit serving God. or We're not going to quit on the promises of God just because it's uncomfortable. I mean, in our church, we have to, we have a preaching post type of thing. We just have a few people, but I have to make very clear that those men that want to preach uh, can go ahead and sign up because you just don't know who's going to sign up along the way. Boy, we have, I'm telling you the truth. I'm preaching. What else would I be telling you? But simply, I will be with you should be all that matters. Let's go to Joshua chapter one. You can hold your finger there in our text. If you'd like, we'll be right back there. Somebody said that it's not because a woman can't do a good job. It's because God told her she's not supposed to. And I do believe that maybe some, well, anyway. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Notice this, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, 
nor forsake thee. He said, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Now, you, you might say, well, that was written afterwards. I understand that. But God's promises are true whether they're given before the fact or given after the fact. God's promises are just as true. Whether they were in the Old Testament looking to Calvary or here we are in the age of grace looking back at Calvary, Calvary was still a promise. It was still something worth living your life for. So another, another uh, excuse that he gives. He says, I don't know your name. Speaking to God there, Moses said, verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? I don't believe this was a fair question. I believe it was another excuse when you look in the context and the things that were being said there. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Once again, that should have been enough. But he's going to give more excuses. I am that I am. And he said, Thus saith, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am is all that's needed. Later on, he's going to add, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the well of water. I am the true vine. I am is just as good a promise today as it was back then. God is so much greater than the things that we deal with in church. God is so much greater than the things that we deal with at the workplace. I know it's hard to believe driving school bus. That's a tough one to believe, but I have to believe it because I'm preaching it to you and to everybody else. God is able and God understands what's going on. And God's, if, it's, if it's difficult, then he may move you on, he may not. But God is able to give us the grace to get through. I am. I don't know what I would do. If I lived in the day that I live in and I didn't have the Word of God and I wasn't able to pray to the very God of heaven, people are so distressed today. It's so sad that you tried to give them, this is your hope. You give them Bible and they'll start talking about something else. Now, you're not getting it. There's a time when I'm not going to be around. There's a time my words aren't going to help you anyway. You need to focus on Jesus Christ, whether it's a death in the family or something else. This is your hope. And yet they go on, they have no hope. They're uncontrolled when difficult things happen. It's sad. Where are you going to find comfort? Well, they, they turn to alcohol, they turn to drugs, they turn to many different things, sometimes just loud music a lot of times. How sad it is. God is everything that we need. I'm so thankful that we have him anytime, but especially today. Notice the next excuse that he gives. He said, they're not going to believe me. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, And Moses answered and said, speaking to God, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. The Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. Now trust me, there's times that I think if, if I only had a rod that turned into a serpent, maybe people would believe me. Uh, there's times that I think, well, well, you know, he had these miracles. But here's the thing. God told him to go, and he was supposed to go. Whether God showed it a miracle or not, he said, they will not believe me. I have to ask this question. When is the Bible 
When does the Bible give us a situation where it's okay to say, well, they're not going to believe me, so I don't need to go do what God wants me to do? God's Word never gives us that. Uh, when God sends us, He knows all of the situations and all of the circumstances far ahead of time. Not only does God know what we're going to do tomorrow, just a little side note here, not only does God know what you're going to do tomorrow, but He also knows if you have a decision, if you do what's right, He knows what will happen. And He knows if you make the bad decision, what will happen. It's amazing the things that, that God knows. This is the God that we serve. He's worth serving. It's worth being different in this community. It's worth being a witness to other people. It's worth having a family that, yeah, everybody stares at you and thinks, well, what is, what is wrong with these people? But it's worth being out there and dressing right and living right and serving God. He's the only one that we ought to be seeking to please. They will not believe me. Once again, you don't have to have a college education or even a high school education to do what God has called you to do. God has something for everybody to do. But do we obey God? Do others see us simply obeying God? People think that the service for, service for God is so deep and complex. It's, it's simply obeying the things that God has asked us to do. And then he says this. He says, I'm not a good speaker. Chapter 4 and verse 10, And, the Lord, and uh, Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since that thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? God knows exactly how to answer in very few words. Who made your mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I... The Lord, he says, now, therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. He said, I just need you to obey what I've told you to do. I'm going to take care of it. I just need you to obey. He says, I'm not a good speaker. Some people have not answered the call to preach or even not given the gospel to somebody and regretted it later on because they say, well, I'm not able to speak very well. Uh, they won't understand me. God just simply says, I made your mouth. I want you to do the best that you can. He says, I want you to remember that I am sent you and not ask any other questions. I believe with all my heart that God gave everybody a spiritual gift. At least one, if not more than one. God has given each of you something that you can do in this community. It is, it is so important to God that there's a church in this community. It is very important to God that you faithfully serve in that church. And by the way, have a good spirit about doing it. Looking at it, as it is a privilege to serve God. God does not expect us to act as slaves he expects us to act as servants, willingly giving of ourselves for all of our lives. And some have. It, it's an encouragement to me to look out and even to see a handful that, to my knowledge, as, as long as I've known you, much before that, you've served God in this community. You haven't used the excuse, well, I, I can't speak, I can't do it very well. It's just, it, it, it's, it's the idea of obeying God and having a servant's heart. Sometimes I think that we get 
tied up forgetting that the ministry is about people. We get frustrated and we say, well, the ministry wouldn't be so difficult if it wasn't for the people. And I'm not just talking to the pastor. You say, it would be really nice. Yeah, well, the pastor wouldn't get a paycheck if it wasn't for the people either. Uh, but, but the fact is, the ministry is about people. And people can be difficult, including me, <laughs> including us. But stop and realize it's about serving other people. If I'm to be compassionate, I realize this. It's about serving people that don't realize they need to be served. It's about loving people who hate the things of God and caring about them. Why? Because God's giving them multiple opportunities. And some in here, God gave you many opportunities to be saved. You're thankful for the patience of God. Then another excuse here. He said this, someone else can do it better. Someone else can do it better. I, I think I've heard that a few times or something along those lines. Exodus 4 and verse 13. And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. What did he say? He said, okay, all this stuff that you promised, send somebody else because I'm not able to do it. Or in other words, somebody else can do it better. If God has called us to do it, then He expects us to continue to do it until He moves us clearly somewhere else. Moses, it's interesting, in verse 13, he said, Oh my Lord, yet he doesn't act like he's the Lord of his life. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, then He's not Lord at all when it comes to our lives. He needs to be Lord. We say, oh Lord, it ought to be, oh Lord, here am I, send me. Oh Lord, I want to serve. Oh Lord, give me something to do. Help me to have the right spirit about it. Not Lord, send somebody else because I am not able to do it. Or somebody else can do it better. Now God is going to send Aaron later on. But as I've looked at that, I'm not sure that was a blessing altogether. God used Aaron and God used Moses and the people were still delivered. But I do believe this. I believe that God wanted Moses to do the job. God is God. He, if he wants somebody to be saved and you say, I will not witness to them, he can send somebody else to witness to them, but you're not going to get the blessing for it. God can make things happen but what He wants is us to obey Him so that He can bless us. As a father wants to bless and to help his own child, He wants to give us the blessing. He gives us these opportunities. But yet, as Aaron is going to be the spokesperson, Moses is to be the leader. Aaron, look, look at his tribe throughout. Aaron is to be the priest, not the prophet, not the preacher. He's to be the priest. When you study in your Bible, there's times where the king tried to go and be the priest and it ended up bad. Or the priest tried to rule like a king and it ended up bad every time. God's going to allow Aaron to be the spokesperson, but that was not God's place of the best blessing. Think of it, later on Aaron's going to help the people make a golden calf. I wonder if it's because they thought, well, he's, he's our spokesperson. We'll just follow him as our leader. Aaron and Miriam are the ones that are going to bring trouble later to criticize Moses. So who's really in charge, Aaron or Moses at that time? 
course, it confused Aaron as the priest and Moses as the prophet. God gave Moses what he selfishly wanted, but there was less of a blessing as a result of it. Somebody has said one of the most painful judgments God can send is to let his people have their own way. Sometimes Christians ask for things and God lets them have it. And it's not what he had intended for us. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Let's just face it. Sometimes we come in church and we could honestly say, God, I don't know what I need, but you know what I need. You know me better and you know what's going to happen in the future. Just please speak to me. I want to obey you. I want to do what I can to serve you. Five promises and then five excuses. All Moses had to do was look back at the promises and say, yes, Lord, I will go. That's all we have to do. We simply look back at the promises of God. No promise has ever failed. But God's timing is not our timing either. I was sharing with our people on, uh, just recently here that nobody that I know of has accused God of being too early. But a lot of them accuse Him of being too late. You'll say, God... That coworker was really bugging me, and I just started to pray about it. you. Just you got rid of him right away. That was just too quick, right? God, you, you gave me a raise before I could ask. It was too soon. God, you've blessed me and and, and abundantly, whether it's financially or physically or or spiritually in the church. And uh, Lord, it was just too. We don't accuse God of being too soon. A lot of times we accuse Him of being too late. God is never too late, by the way. Uh, he works on His timetable, and all we have to do is obey and look back at the promises of God. Many excuses we give at times. Some people say, well, God, nobody understands my situation. And I've begun to learn that as a pastor. I'm still learning. But there's many situations I don't understand what you're going through, but God understands. Now, I lost my mom, and I think I'm able to help people that way. But even though I lost my mom, and I may be dealing with someone else that lost their mom, still, I don't, I don't live in the same household as they do. I don't have the same job as they do. I don't know if they've lost other family members. I can only relate to a certain extent. Only God knows what people are going through, but praise the Lord. He does know what people are going through. So nobody understands is not a reason to not follow the promises of God. Of course, today, there's a whole lot of I'm too busy. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's here. I know around Washington, D.C., it's uh, a lot of people just too busy. Well, you know, I work six days a week. Sunday's my only day off. I'm too busy has never been a scriptural reason not to obey God. And then some might say, well, I, I would, but I, I'm too shy. God says, I made Moses' mouth. I made your mouth. Go do all that you can. I know some people might have the gift of gab a little better than others, but there's people that we can reach. And there might be somebody that would say, well, I'm, I'm too young. God is expecting us to obey what He has given to us. And I'm too young is not an excuse. There's something that you can do. You can minister to your parents. I know it's a novel idea. You can minister to your siblings. We tell our kids, we keep telling them, we hope they get it eventually, but, but we tell our kids that some of your best friends are in your own home. 
Don't forget your siblings. Uh, you know, you're trying to go make friends with somebody at church, and I'm not against that. And I'm not against having, uh, having social interaction and different things. But don't forget your brother. Don't forget your sister. Don't forget your parents. God has put us together. He's fitly framed us together as a family, we could venture to say. And, and we can minister to those in our own household. We're not too young to serve God. Then there might be somebody that'd say, well, I'm, I'm too old to serve God. You may not physically be able to go out there and do what you could, but there's something everybody can do. Isaiah 6, uh, 46 and verse 4, And even to your old age, I am He. And even to the, whores, uh, to the whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Somebody might say, well, I have a bad home situation, or I'm just too tired, or people don't want to listen. There's, there's all kinds of excuses people will use, but remember who it is that we're serving. And we are just simply to follow the promises of God and obey God. Serving Him is a great privilege. Now, I thought of this, though. A child can get into the habit of, when they're told to do something, they can get in the habit of arguing or giving an excuse. Now, some of you have dealt with adults that that, that hasn't uh, matured at all. But think of a child. A child can get into the habit of, as soon as you say, why is your room a mess? Well, my sister came in and messed it up. That might be true once or twice. But they can literally get in a habit every time mom speaks that the child has an excuse. Every time dad speaks or every time a teacher says something to them, they have an excuse. I hope that we don't get into the habit of making excuses for why we can't obey God. Why we can't follow His wonderful promises. He's patient with us. Just because God lets something go does not mean that He approves of it. It just means He's being patient and He's being kind and His Word will be carried through. So I'll just ask you this evening, and I say it respectfully, I realize many of you Serve God as long as I've been alive. And praise God for it. But I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to think, well, I've been serving God a long time, and now it's time for the young people to take over. If you're still here, there's something for you to do. We need the older people in our church. We need the younger people in our church. We need the people that are in the middle. But let's not make excuses. Let's not get in the habit of making excuses. Let's get in the habit of finding areas that we can serve other people. Some have served many, many years, and they've kind of forgotten that it's about people. Finding areas to serve. Asking God for ideas and areas to to be sensitive to those people that need help. The, The way that we serve God is by serving other people, obeying His Word, being a servant. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.